Him for what He's been doing in our homes. Thank Him for what He's been doing in our families. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. something that has always stood out in churches that I go to there's some churches I've got to tell you that I go to that I don't care if I go back to it's the honest truth there's churches that I go to to preach revivals and they don't want revival no but there is such a peace about this church such a peace from the very first time that I I came in the back doors of this church I felt that peace of the Holy Ghost that is constant here hallelujah that doesn't come overnight it just doesn't happen because somebody wants to strive for peace it happens with a model of consistency it happens with faithful people and you know what I understand that I'm loud. I understand I like to hang from the chandeliers and I I preach hard and and all of that. And that's just me. That's who I am. You can ask my wife. I've been this way since I've been 13 years old. I started screaming at 13 in a pulpit and I haven't stopped. But just because you don't scream with me doesn't mean I don't appreciate your walk with God. Hallelujah. I may take off and dance all over this place and You might not dance all over this place with me, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate your walk with God. There is a deep, deep move of the Holy Ghost that's happened in these last few services. Hallelujah. God has blessed some people. You know, they say, and and, and I pastored long enough to to know this is true, sometimes you, you, you have an evangelist because the church needs it, and sometimes you have an evangelist because the evangelist needs it. And I believe wholeheartedly that this church has been such a blessing to my wife and I and our family. We have learned in this last month, hallelujah, that there are people that are like-minded, with like spirits, like faith. Hallelujah. We've learned. Aren't you thankful you can you can grow old in this thing and still learn? I hope I never stop learning. Anybody want to learn something new about him every day? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the old song says, I love him better every day. Because you experience something new. Every day it's fresh. It's a, you wake up and you wake up with just, just a bated breath. Waiting. What can I learn today of you, Lord? Hallelujah. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For just your, your such kind, kind treatment to us. Thank you, Pastor, Sister Bushnell, for your, your just overwhelming Kindness. Words cannot express how blessed we are to be with you for this last month. I, I could never express enough. And folks, and your kind words and your giving, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I truly believe that we are blessed, but I also believe you're going to be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. I want my wife to come. We're going to, we're going to sing a song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
she wants to sing a new one, I want to sing an old one. So we, we're, we're going to sing her song first because I want to make sure she's happy. God, my Aren't you thankful for the blood? Precious Savior, precious Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it was the blood. One day when I was lost, he died upon a cross. I know it was the blood that saved me. Thank God for the blood. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's power. There is power. Wonder-working power in the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody begin to say it with me. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to sing, but I got to preach. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. But I know it was the blood. Maybe one time. I know you see the time, I see the time. I'm going to be very aware of that, okay? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Precious Savior, precious First Timothy chapter number one, verse number 15. Where would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Oh, there's power. See, it, you just begin to sing about the blood. There's something about it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. First Timothy chapter number one, verse number 15. This is a faithful saying. Worthy of all acceptation. That's a fancy way of saying accepted. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And as the body, now this isn't, I'm, I'm out of the book, okay. And as the body, if we're not saving sinners, we're not doing what he wants us to do. That Christ came into the world, maybe I should have preached this the first night, I, I'm not sure. To save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm chief. When it comes to sinners, I'm chief. I'm the boss. I got the record. Howbeit, for this cause, would you say that with me? This cause, I obtained mercy. Aren't you thankful for that? That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering. Paul was so eloquent. He, he just he could write. He was a poet. He could win people with words. He could debate. He could convict. He could do anything he wanted to do with words. In me first, Jesus Christ. You couldn't get mad at him, but yet he was kind of bragging. In me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, he says, unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
for this cause. I'm going to preach to you about a lost cause. A lost cause. Each of us think that we might know somebody that is a lost cause. Raise your hand if you know somebody. And and really, let's just be honest. You think, my God, there's just no hope. There is no way. Hallelujah. Calvary was about one lost cause. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Precious Savior, speak to us tonight from your word, I pray. Hallelujah, minister to your people. Mighty God, strengthen and encourage, uplift, Lord. Let us leave this place tonight with the fire of the Holy Ghost resonating within our bosom. Let us leave this place tonight, hallelujah, with that passion for souls. Let us leave this place tonight, God, with focus, Lord, and with vision, God, on the task at hand. Empower us, God, hallelujah, embolden us in this place tonight. We'll give you the glory for it and the honor for it in the name of Jesus. Will you say that with me? In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And you can be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I grew up the first portion of my life with a pastor and his wife that were well into their 70s when I come on the scene. These uh, were not folks that had uh, what you would call the cutting edge in preaching ability. Uh, they uh, just simply loved souls. Matter of fact, my pastor's wife uh, was quite an established evangelist and uh, she would preach quite regularly all over the United States and preached on several occasions in South America. One of her fondest places to go was to fund her own way to Madagascar to preach, which she preached several camp meetings in Madagascar. I sat with her not too terribly long ago before I came down here and I began to talk with her about preaching and she couldn't preach herself out of a wet paper bag, as they would say. These guys that can get up and what they say, well, they can shuck the corn. Well, she couldn't do it. She, she could uh, lay some verses together and she could title it pretty good and she could preach a little bit. But that wasn't her objective Her objective was pointing completely and totally to the altar call. And I began to ask her, I would ask her, Sister Potter, what what would you tell me, being a young minister, what would you tell me that would enhance and would help me when it comes to altar service? Because we have some of the best preaching that Pentecost has ever had. We have some of the most eloquent uh, preaching that I've ever heard in my life. We have some of the deepest preaching, some of the most revelatory, some of the most exciting preaching that I've ever heard in my life. But I was reaching that place and that age in my life where I realized it's more than just simply that. I realize that if nothing happens at an altar, it doesn't matter what you preach. It doesn't matter what you have to say. And so I went to that sage of wisdom. I I went to the one that I've said underneath her ministry several times. And I've watched as she would preach and make her way through her 
20 or 25 minute message and then just in a matter of two or three minutes began to give an altar call. I watched her as she would weep and she would hold that little lace hanky in her hand and she would look and she would say, Sir, please don't turn him away. And she would weep and I would watch full grown men, hard men, stony hearted men, as they would crumble underneath the voice of this 70 some, 80 some year old woman. Up into her 90s, she would still step into the pulpit. At 90 years old, she came to my church to preach to my people. She had that same intensity. She had that same passion. What I wouldn't do today to be able to sit and listen to her preach one more time. I sat and I talked with her in her living room and she began to tell me, well, Brother Elliot, you've got to love those people you're preaching to with the love of Christ. You don't prepare your sermon, you prepare yourself. She began to tell me, you pray until you're so full of love, but you can't help but weep over souls. And you pray and you fast until God shakes you when you get in a pulpit. I I come to tell you tonight, hallelujah, those very words are resonating within me tonight because I come into the house of the Lord tonight. Maybe I put something together that might excite you. Maybe I put something together that might shake you and stir you. You might walk from the house of the Lord tonight and say, man, that was deep. Or maybe that was revelatory. But it really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. If somewhere within your heart, there's not a change in your spirit and in your soul. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And she would tell me, you preach to them. Like it's their last message. And you preach to them like it's your last message. My pastor that followed her came along and he would tell me that exact same thing. I've realized over my short time in life, 40 years, that we can look at people and we can judge people and we can look to the exterior and say there's too many vices, there's no hope, there's nothing left. There's no appetite for God. There's there's nothing there that seems as left to be drawn to an altar. But in the midst of it, I read the Word of God. And I must understand that when we pray, when we fast, when we seek the face of God, and we look into the eyes of a sinner, we look into the eyes of one that is lost and undone, and outside of the ark of safety, that he died because there is no lost cause. There is not one that he's willing to overlook. There is not one that he's willing to turn his back on. If all of the world would turn their back on him and one would follow, still he would lead because he does not believe that there is any lost cause. I don't care. 
care how far that your family member has fallen from the grace of God. There is no lost cause. I don't care how far it seems as though your friend has fallen away from the hand of God. There is no lost cause. I don't care how far your spouse has wandered. There is no lost cause. I I don't care how far it seems as though your children might have drifted from the church. There is no lost cause. Paul was not speaking to the world. He wasn't speaking to the disciples. He wasn't even really speaking to the church. His letter was to a young man. His letter was to encourage a young man. His letter was to to strengthen a young man. And in his letter to the young man, he began to talk about a cause. There's a cause. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I look back upon the life of David and David, and I keep coming back to that story when I'm, when I'm preaching over these last few weeks, but there's so much there in that story. It's a lot more than just a, a little guy slaying a big guy. It's a lot more than just David and the giant. There's, there's a lot more intertwined. There's a lot more pieces that are there. And here was, here was David, and he made a declaration, Is there not a cause. The cause was not the fact that Israel wouldn't go down to face the giant. The cause was the fact that this giant had defied the God of all of Israel. It wasn't the fact that he was going to survive or he was even going to whip the giant. The cause was the fact that somebody's got to stand in the gap. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to make a difference. Somebody's got to let their voice be heard in the night in the house of the Lord. I want you to know in this day and age there is a giant that is roaring and the church needs to arise. The church needs to stand to its feet. The church needs to raise its voice and say I still believe is there not a cause? And this, the last night of me preaching here, but not the last night of revival, I hope. I come to impart this to you, and I come to leave this with you. The pair is a cause. He is assembling a people. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's orchestrating an army. He's putting the pieces of the puzzle together for a mighty end-time revival. And when he pours out of his spirit upon all flesh, I want you to know in the house of the Lord, he's not just going to do it on a few. He's going to pour it out upon all flesh. And it is up to the church to be standing there to let the world know what's happening. 
They know what's happening with the shifting. They know what's happening with the shaking. They know what's happening with the fear. They know what's happening with the chaos. But they will not know what's happening when the spirit begins to fall. When there's a wooing, hallelujah, within their bosom. When there's a drawing within their heart to the things of God. When there's a lifting of the head and to the heels from which cometh his help. I want you to know there's a cause for the church in this last hour. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot sit idly by. We must be employed in what he's doing. We've got to get involved. We've got to get involved. We must get involved. I find it rather unique that after after Saul sat by, And watched a little boy go out to battle in his stead. It was Saul's place to do that. Saul was a giant among the people of Israel. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. He had the armor. He was one of the few that had a sword. Read it for yourself. You'll find that him and his his son was one of the few that had a sword in all of Israel. He had a sword. He had the shield. He had everything that he needed. All he had to do was go down in the name of the Lord and face that giant. He could have had the son. Well, I'm going to here to tell you in the house of the Lord, there are people that are going to bypass the blessings of God because there's somebody... Hallelujah in the house of God that says I may not have all the talent. I may not have all the ability, but I know there's a cause. Hallelujah. There are going to be people that become soul winners and win souls to the house of God. Why? Because they believe. They believe in the cause of Jesus Christ. They believe in the cause of the cross. They believe in Calvary. They believe in the difference that can be made in somebody's life. They believe that there is no lost cause. Here was here was Saul who was not willing to go and face the giant. He didn't think the cause was great enough. But notice what happened just a few short chapters later when he got so angry with David that Jonathan told David, you just go hide out and wait because I'm going to find out what my father's up to. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you this was the first of, of two times that this happened. And Jonathan began to talk with Saul. He began to remind him of what happened in the life of David. He began to remind him of what David had overcome. He began to remind him that David was the one that stood in the gap. He began to remind him that David was the one that took the sling and he defeated the giant. And then he began to ask him this one simple question about the cause. Are you going to slay David without a cause? Are you going to stand up against David without a cause? David has already proven he's got a cause. David has already proven he's committed to this thing. David is already, he's younger, he's smaller. He don't have the experience, but he's already proven that he's committed to the cause. He's committed to Israel. He's committed to the God of Israel. He's committed. And he looked into the eyes of Saul, and he says, Are you going to take David's life as 
though there is no cause. Here was Saul. Hallelujah. The astute Saul, the king of all of Israel. He was willing to kill David, a giant slayer, without a cause. And he was unwilling to face the giant, which was the cursor of God, with a cause. He was, oh, you got to hear me in the house of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. There are people in our very midst probably that would do more without a cause than they would with a cause. But in the house of the Lord, we've got to get the cause. We've got to get the purpose in our hearts. Hallelujah. We've got to let it resonate within us. We've got to let it burn within us. Oh, we've got to look at souls through the eyes of God and the compassion of Jesus Christ. We've got to see people for who they truly are. Oh, the cause of Calvary. I was that cause. You was that cause. Not one of us are void of being the cause of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are the cause of Calvary. There. There is no such thing as a lost cause when it comes to Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a lost cause when it comes to His mercy and to His grace. There's no such thing as a lost cause when it comes to His long-suffering, when it comes to His compassion, when it comes to His grace and His mercy, when it comes to His patience, His meekness, and His mildness. I want you to know that you were the cause and I was the cause and He said, I'll pay the price. Jesus. Let that for just one moment. I want you to stand with me. I want you to let that sink in for just a second. I was the cause. I was the cause of Calvary. In John chapter number 12, and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for for this cause came I unto this hour. They tried to stop him from going to Jerusalem. He said, this is my hour. This is what I'm here for. This is what the 33 and a half years was about. Uh, for the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to purge, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance for this cause he became the mediator between God and man you and I are the cause 
But don't be mistaken. You work with the cause. Don't be mistaken. You might live down the hall from the cause. Don't be mistaken. That person that lives next door to you that has that privacy fence that you meet and talk, they're the cause. I'm finishing. I walked into Eunice not too long ago. There's a man that said about halfway back, he came in about halfway through the service. It's a bald-headed guy. You might have met him, Brother Bushnell. Bald-headed guy, he's got tattoos all over him. I looked and I thought, man, fresh meat, I'm ready to go. I preached my heart out. I preached everything I knew. I preached Calvary and I preached it bloody. I preached about heaven and I preached it as a place you wanted to go and hell is a place you wanted to shine. At the end of the service, he came down. He fell down at the altar. He raised his hands and he began to weep and he began to cry. I said, man, I got another one, y'all. I, I, I mark that as trophies because that's what's important to me when I, when I see this happen. I want to take that with me wherever I go. I want to see, hallelujah, the response in the altars of what's happening. So therefore, uh, at the end of service, I come down and, and Brother, Brother Lacombe pulled me aside. He said, hey, I want you to meet somebody. He took me and said, hey, Brian, this is, this is Brother Elliot. Brother Elliot, this is Brian. And so I began to talk with Brian and Brother Lacombe said, hey, tell him your story. And I, I looked and he had a tattoo on his neck and he began to tell me his story he said uh, brother brother Elliot he said uh, I was dating a girl and uh, this girl that I was I was dating had a had a grandma that somewhere in our relationship she she passed away and so she she didn't have anybody to help clean out her stuff and the granddaughter was going to have to do it all and so I told her hey I'll, I'll, I'll help you I'll help you so we went she he said when I walked in that house he said I knew there was there was just something different about that house he said I, I started walking over that house, he said, and we started moving stuff out, moving moving stuff around, he said, and I, I got tired, he said, so I walked over, he said, and I sat down in an old rocker that was worn, he said, when I immediately sat down, there was something, he said, that just came over me, he said, I couldn't explain it, he said, I couldn't, I, I couldn't put it into, into vocabulary, he said, I, I looked over, he said, there was a little Bible that was sitting there, by this time, he was telling this story, and tears were coursing down his cheeks, he said, I reached over, now grab that Bible. He said that that book. He said I opened it up. He said I realized it was it was a Bible. He said at the top of it it said Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He said I looked down at that Bible and I began to I began to stain the pages of that Bible with my tears as I I just began to break there over over that Bible. He said I didn't want I didn't want my girlfriend to see. He said so I was wiping away and I I, I shut that book and I put it back. He said but it already gotten a hold of me already done something to me he said it's done something to my heart he said and he was trying to define it but 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 he couldn't put it in our Pentecostal vernacular he couldn't put it in the Christian vernacular so he was trying his best to, to define it to me he hadn't quite caught on yet and so he told me, he said, uh, uh, he said I, I began to talk to my girlfriend and said, well, what, what, tell, me, tell me about your grandma. And he, she said, well, she was a really, really Christian lady and, and she, she loved God. And that was, that was her favorite place to, to, to pray. He 
He said, I began to ask her, where, where did she go to church? She said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure uh, exactly where, where she was going to church. The, the granddaughter was far removed from the, from the situation and from her grandmother. And so she said, I, I know, though, that it was, a, uh, it, it was some kind of a, uh, of a Pentecostal church, I think. And so he, he began to search until he went everywhere. And he, he said he, uh, he wandered into Eunice, to the Pentecostal church there where Brother Lacombe was the pastor. He said, I was overwhelmed, he said, because I'd been through a lot in my life. He said, I, I, I've suffered many things in my life. He said, my, my little sister was half beat to death. She said, by, he said, by a man that was, was dating her. He said, I promised him I was going to kill him the next time I saw him. He said, I have to live up to my word. He said, I, I told him I was going to blow him away the next time I saw him. He said, I lived most of my life without my father. He said, I never met my father. He said, I've got a lot of pinned-up anger at my father. He said, I couldn't ever bury it. I couldn't even get rid of it. He said, I, I hated men because of it. He said, it, it changed me. He said, I, 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 don't know what, I don't know what to do with it. He said, I didn't know how to, how to handle it. He said, and he said, I was dating a girl, he said, when I was younger. He said, and, and she got pregnant. And I went off offshore to work. He said, when I came home, she'd gotten so scared, she, she left and she moved and she took everything. She, he said, she wouldn't return a phone call. I couldn't get a hold of her. He until six years later, I got a call from the coroner's office in New Mexico. They called me and said, after six years of talking with this girl, we need you to come to New Mexico. We need you to identify a body. He thought it was probably her when he got there. There was a little boy that was laying there. He said, the first and the last time I ever looked into the eyes of my baby boy. He said, it was on a slab there as I identified that body because she'd over, she had left out her drugs. He had overdosed on those drugs. He said, never got to meet him, never got to talk to him. Just look at him there as he laid on that slab. He said, I had so much hate. I had so much hate in my life. He said, but I, I walked in when Brother Lacombe was preaching. He goes, I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know what was happening, exactly what was going on. He said, but I, I heard him preach that God can forgive. He goes, I got out of a pew and I made my way down to an altar. He said, when I, when I bowed my knee at that altar, he said, whatever I felt at that altar was what I felt in that old woman's rocker. And you tell me, there's a lost cause. I tell you, there is no lost causes. So Brian, what'd you do? He said, I, I got up. He said, Brother Combs said he, he didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. He said he, he just he just come to an altar and he felt the peace of the of the Lord. And he said he knew he knew that God had forgiven him and he had to forgive. He said so. I, Brother Brother Brian gets up. He looks at Brother Combs. He said I've got some I got some people I got to forgive. He said I, I tried to find that girl. He said I couldn't I couldn't find that girl. My my, my baby's mom. He said I couldn't I couldn't find her anywhere. He goes that I, I went and I tried to find that that fellow that beat up my my sister and I got a hold of him and he said Brian you come to the door I'm going to blow you out the, out the front door he said well you better get your shotgun ready because I'm coming he said I got to that door and when he slung open that door he's sitting there with a the shotgun he said I just want you to know I forgive you there's no lost causes in Jesus Christ. There's no lost causes in Jesus Christ. He met up with his father. Hallelujah. He looked at his father. He said, I, I forgive you for everything that's happened. He said, you know, he goes, we got to talk and we had a long conversation. He said, you know, he said, there's always two sides to every story. He said, I, I had hate in my heart. He goes, but the Lord helped me. So I went out. Now listen to this. Listen to this. I said, what, what's that tattoo saying? And Brother, Brother Combe reached up. You got to know Brother Combe pushed his chin up. He said, look at, look at his neck. He said, look at it backwards. 
And I looked at it and I said, what does that say? He said, well, he goes, only I can read it. And I, when, every time I look in a mirror, it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'm not going to advocate tattoos, but I'm here to tell you, he responded to it in the way that he knew how to do it. Hallelujah. There is no lost cause in Jesus Christ. There is no lost cause in Jesus Christ. So so to that family member that you've given up hope on, let life be resurrected. Let hope be resurrected to your children that you thought are lost for eternity. Don't give up. Keep praying. It was the prayers of an old grandmother that reached down and saved a young man. You don't know what you're doing every time you kneel your knee in prayer. You don't know what you're doing when you bring your needs to an altar and you leave them there oh God oh God let us see souls as you see souls there's an old song that comes to my heart as the musicians come hallelujah and it goes Lord lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me And may I ever do my part to love that soul to thee. God, let us love souls. Let us look beyond ourselves. Let us look beyond who we are and what we have and what we've accumulated and get back to that place what the church is all about and re-identify with what the true purpose of the bride is to love souls, to love souls, to love souls. These are altars are open to somebody that wants to come. Hallelujah. And leave some soul at an altar. Some soul upon my heart, and love that soul through me, and may I ever do my part to. So to Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you get your mind set up on somebody right now? Maybe there's a backslider that's in your heart right now. That they're not living the way that they should be living. Maybe you've got a mother and a father. got children right now they're not living like they need to be living ever do my part to that soul too can we still reach a place of intercession 
Can the church still identify with what it takes to bridge the gap for some lost soul? Do we still believe in interceding for souls? Hallelujah. Do we still believe in praying with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered? Where the Spirit begins to make intercession. And may I ever do my part to win that soul to Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. tonight for you to get one soul on your mind. One soul that you have before tonight felt just almost out of the reach of heaven. That before tonight that you had just pretty much given up on and written off. Would you leave this place tonight the vision, the focus of them worshiping God beside you. I, I hope you understand that out of all that I've preached throughout this month, this is the most important thing that I've preached to you. Because we must win souls. We must win souls. We must win souls. There's got to be new blood. There's got to be fresh blood. There's got to be... Those that are on the outside coming in, we cannot lay down the cause of Calvary because there is no lost causes. Would you for just one second focus upon them right now and just lift up your voice and begin to pray for them. Hallelujah. In the closing moments of this message tonight, just lift up your voice. Maybe you feel like just cry, crying their name out, just calling their name out. That'd be okay. That'd be all right. God, I pray that you go to them right now and if there'd be anything within them, if there'd be any softness within them, if there'd be any tenderness, God, to your presence, I pray that you would deal with them, God. Oh, not for my benefit, God, but for your cause. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got lost loved ones that are dying right now and they're going to hell. I buried some of my family in the last two or three years that I would have done anything to reach.
with man, it seems impossible. But is that not God's starting point? Or with Him all things? Peter said, Who can be saved? Jesus said, With man it's impossible. God, all things are possible. I want you to leave with fresh faith tonight. The devil's been talking enough. It's time to talk back. The devil's been saying, it's no use. You might as well quit praying. God sure didn't say it. God didn't say it. So I choose to keep believing choose to keep praying, and I choose to keep loving, and keep reaching, amen, let's stand together, let's thank God for the word, let's thank God for the word.